Father, we are so grateful for your precious Holy Spirit. We are so grateful, Lord, for your precious presence. We are so grateful for your precious Word. And as we open up your Word today, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our understanding and that today you would speak to our hearts and minister to us the truth that you'd have for us, your people. And as always, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. And together we all would say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, we made it through another Christmas. Amen? Can you guys believe this is the last Sunday of the year? So for the next few weeks, you all will be uh, having trouble writing 2020. You'll be writing 2019. Anyone else struggle with that, or is it just me? Yeah. A few of us do. You know, we're we're studying. (laughs) Yeah, electronics now. Does anyone still write? Yeah. (laughs) Do <laughs> you see they're taking out the old-fashioned clocks in schools because kids can't tell time? Isn't that terrible? You know? No. See, the thing they don't think about that is now they don't have an excuse to be late. Churchgoers. No. <laughs> because of last week being... being uh, Christmas, we had a, a, a Christmas service, so we suspended our through the Bible study, but we'll take that back up today. Uh, we're in 2 Kings in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 13. As you're opening there, if you uh, don't have a Bible and like to study with us, we have some at the front of the church and at the back of the church. You're welcome to use one of those. We make our way through the entire Bible. We go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now next week, which will be you know, the first Sunday of the new year, I will talk a little bit about uh, the year's goal. You know, it seems like every year God gives me a verse that's kind of the focus verse. And for this next year, uh, it's Esther chapter 4, uh, verse 14, the latter part of it, where uh, her, her uncle is telling her, well, who yet knows whether you've come to this kingdom for such a time as this? For such a time as this. You know, if you've uh, been to more than two of my Christmas candlelight services, I only have two messages. <laughs> I have the, the miracle of the manger, which we had this Christmas, and then I flip-flop them. I have what made the wise men wise. How many of you have heard both of those multiple times? A few of you. Kellenaire. <laughs> One of the things in that, that I say what made the wise men wise was that they recognized the times, right? The sons of Issachar in the Old Testament, they were highly praised because they recognized the times. Friends, how many of you know that we are in a very interesting times in God's calendar? We're in a very unique position in God's uh, picture of what, what He's doing. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians are ignorant to the signs of what's going on. Jesus said that we are to be watching, right? And to be ready. Well, I don't want to preach next week's sermon today. Uh, but a few verses down from that, after uh, 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 Esther's uncle gives her the opportunity that says, hey, God has got this door open for you right here. She has the choice to do what is right and say something to save Israel or to keep quiet and just be comfortable and not care. She chose to do what was right. Friends, we as Christians... 
every day this new possibility for us to do right, to make a difference that will impact not only ourselves, but the world is right in front of us. And this is what she said in verse 16. She said, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Friends, we're going to have a unique opportunity, and I believe especially this next year, to do what is right, and it will impact the world. It may cost you a little comfort. It may cost you friends. But it'll save a nation. More about that next week. You got your Bibles open to 2 Kings chapter 13? Well, chapter 12, we saw and we studied the rebuilding, the remodeling, and the reinforcing of the temple under King Josiah's reign. It was a very interesting study. We applied it to our lives. You know, the New Testament says that, that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And we learned some great things about that. Well, in the latter part of that chapter, chapter 12, we saw that after uh, the high priest, uh, Jehadiah was his name, after he passed away, the king who actually raised him uh, wandered away from God. And he had a great start, but he had a terrible finish. Remember that? And we talked about all that. And now as we go into chapter 13, the focus moves out of Judah onto Israel. Remember, the kingdom is divided and the book of 2 Kings jumps back and forth and we highlight what's going on in both those. Well, now we move from Judah going to Israel. And that's where we take up our study starting in verse 1. It says, In the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, the king of Judah, Jehoahaz, don't you just love these names? Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel. Like I say, our focus is now on, on the Israel, the ten uh, tribes of Israel, who became king in Samaria, and he reigned for a total of 17 years. Now we get into his life. And what a, what a horrible, horrible summary of a man's life. Look at verse 2. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, I, I need to... The text will bring this out, but let me just bring it out right here. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but he did good in the sight of man. Let me explain that. Men are rotten people, and I mean that both genders. Right? We are opposed to God. And unfortunately, not only in the days that we're reading in the Bible, but in our days today, what the world accepts and what the world thinks is great and what the world thinks is fun and all that stuff is the majority of it's evil in the sight of God. How many of you know that God is calling his people? I believe this sincerely. It's part of what I'll talk about next week is God is calling his people back to holiness. Right. And so uh, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Acceptable in the sight of a lot of people, but it was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, and he did not, not part from that. Remember now, this has been 114 years ago, this Jeroboam brought in the golden calves. Remember that? When the nation split, he brought in these gold calves, said, this is your God, you don't got to go all the way to Jerusalem, let's make life easy. How many of you know that, that following God isn't always comfortable? right and so hey let's make this comfortable there's no sacrifice on your part you just come to the golden calf make sure you leave your money by the door uh, if you don't know we got offering boxes by the door <laughs> you know i've heard a lot of uh, big ministries this past month encouraging their people to give an end of the year donation 
Nothing wrong with that, but biblically speaking, we're to give first fruits. And next week, I'm going to give you my little demonstration of what that means. So if you have your check made out, go ahead and put it in today. If you want your tax donation. But in the golden calves, it, it then they start adding to the calves. They, we see they added asterisk poles, which was the sex goddess. We see that they started adding all these other pollutants to the worship of Jehovah to where they're no longer worshiping Jehovah. Now they're worshiping the pagan deities of Babylon, right? And he continued in that. And God reacted to sin the same way he reacts to sin today. Look at verse 3. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, his people. God responded to the sins of his people. And friends, don't be fooled by false preachers today who tell you that God doesn't get mad at sin. We have a good, loving, and gracious God. And His attitude against sin hasn't changed. Let me tell you, a big danger in the modern churches is this. is Modern churches have now put their stamp of approval and permission on sinful activities. Bless you. And God hasn't done that. And remember, just because people say it's okay doesn't mean God says it's okay. Let's, let's, we guide everything out of the book, right? And so uh, God got mad at his own people, and look what he did. Um, I lost my place. He delivered them into the hand of Hazel, the king of Syria. Now, we saw last chapter that, that God used Syria, the same guy, to, to buffet and to challenge uh, Judah to bring them back to God. One of the things that God does is he makes us a little uncomfortable to chastise us to bring us back to him. Would you put on the overhead, please? Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11, an important uh, section for us. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about, about being chastened by God, and he's using the human experience uh, to, to, to bring that to pass. He says, for they indeed for a few days chastised us uh, that seemed best to them. He's talking about human fathers here disciplining their children. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Did your parents ever lie to you and say, someday you'll thank me for this? I've yet to thank my dad for whipping me as a kid. Yeah. I should, but uh, no, it's never joyful at the present, but it's painful. At the risk of offending and making a lot of people mad. Time out don't work unless you whoop their... Never mind, I don't want to get into that. You know what just aggravates me? Is you see a kid acting up in a store, and the parent goes, one, two, they get to ten and start over. It's like... Okay. Everyone knows I was a perfect parent, so be quiet. And then I became one. You ever notice how that changes? I could raise any kid perfectly. And then I had one. And it was like, oh, man. <laughs> Talk about discipline. Discipline's not fun. And, and, and truly, seriously, uh, as a parent, you, you do that because you do love your child. Right? And remember, we're, we're raising people that, that hopefully affect the world in a positive way, not a negative way. Right? And so he's saying, you know, it seems painful at the time. Nevertheless, discipline has a, a, 
a good purpose and a reason for being. Afterwards, it yields to the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Just like a human parent disciplines a child for the benefit of that child, which will then benefit the society, right? God chastens his people, and sometimes painfully. In this situation, it was a painful experience for them, but the purpose was not just because, not because God's a mean God, he's a loving God, but he's a very firm God, he's a very holy God, and he'll do what he takes to take care of his children. They were on a very devastating path. He's got to get them back on the right path, and sometimes to do that, it takes a little patent here and there, right? Now, we're not talking child abuse, don't get me wrong, but we're talking correction, lovingly guiding, right? This is what God is doing for us. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. Sometimes Satan will bring problems into your life, not because you're being bad, but because you're God's child. We need to be able to discern one from the other. Things are going wrong in your life. You're feeling some pressure. Things aren't going right. Examine your life. Hey, am I living in sin? Am I doing something that needs to be corrected? Am I, you know, am I involved uh, in a situation, in an activity with a person or, 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 or some kind of thing that I shouldn't be? Is this from God? Or, hey, am I doing what God wants me to do? And this is persecution because I'm doing right. You see the difference? So this one is from God. And uh, so he sends them. It's through the hands of Syria. And uh, it's going to last a long time because it will go into his son Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazel, all their days. So this is going to be a long process. Some people are slow learners. But look what happens. This works in verse 4. So Jehoahaz pleaded. He begged with the Lord. And the Lord listened to him. Now this guy, remember, he's leading a pagan people into the ways of sin. But God's plan is working. The pressure is getting so so tight on him that now he's turning to God. And don't you love this? And God listened. Friends, God, God wants us to come to him. He wants us to recognize where we fall short. And he wants to restore us. God listened to him. I'm still in verse 4. For he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Assyria had oppressed them. And look at verse 5. Ah, oh, this is such a wonderful picture and the lord gave israel a deliverer some bibles even translate that word savior it's a very interesting word in the hebrew here's how strong's concordance um, uh, uh, gives us this word and you'll see why we apply it to jesus the definition is this someone who delivers a healer a rescuer a protector from an enemy or death a provider of great needs, one who gives hope in despair. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Deliverer. Jesus is the one who God sent. We'll look at the result. Now, we don't know who this Deliverer was. Was it someone like in the time of the judges? We're, we're not exactly sure. There's a debate about that. But God sends them uh, this hope. And it says, so they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. That means that they lived in peace. They didn't have to seek refuge in a, in a walled city. God delivered them from the oppression and life was good, right? 
All that is, is awesome. Nevertheless, over six, here's where we get into it. Nevertheless, they did not depart from their sins. From this point through the, cha- through the balance of the chapter, it talks about faith. Would you put on the overhead, please? Matthew 9, 29. Jesus said these words. Jesus was ministering to a, a, a blind gentleman. And Jesus, in verse 28, asked him, do you believe I can do this? And the blind man said, yes. And this was Jesus' response to the blind man's faith. Jesus says, then he touched his eyes saying, notice this, according to your faith, let it be to you. In this chapter now, this first example is what I call crisis faith, or Jesus 911. We're going to to see an ignorant faith in the second part. But notice this first one, this crisis faith. Crisis faith, or Jesus 911, it rarely runs deep and it's never lasting. Notice they, they got relief from the pressure, but they didn't turn from their sins. Repentance means a, re, a, a, a acknowledging sins, turning from them, and not, re, and not turning from them and not returning to them. So they go back to the sins of the house of Jeroboam, I'm still in verse 6, who made Israel sin, uh, but walked in them, and the wooden image also remained in Samaria. We know from our earlier studies this was an asterisk pole. Asterisk was the goddess of sex uh, that they worshipped. It was a very popular religion. Anything went. All goes, right? And they didn't um, do away with that. Deuteronomy 14 told them they were to cut it down and to burn it. They didn't do that. Now, I'm going to bring that back in just a moment. Verse 7 says, look at the result of of their sin verse 7 for he left for he left of the army of Jehoahaz only only 50 horsemen 10 chariots 10,000 foot soldiers for the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing now check this out Israel we know this from the scriptures after they sinned, after Syria got done with them, they were down to these, these few animals here. They were down to 50, find 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, 10,000 foot soldiers. Right? That's what their powerful army was down to. Look what it was before this. The Bible teaches they had 300,000 foot soldiers. 300,000. Now they're down to 10,000. They had 2,000 chariots. Now they're down to how many? 10. They had 3,000 horsemen. Now how many are they down to? That's a, that don't don't even make a good parade. Right? What's, What's the point here? Well, the point here is that when you mess around with sin, when you don't get serious with, with God, the thing you put your security in would become very insecure. The devil will take away and he will hinder your defenses. Making sense? Right? Oh, you'll have a little bit left and you can, you know, maybe make a nice, like I say, parade out of it, but you've got no strength behind you. You guys tracking with what I'm, I'm not sure I'm communicating it well. 
The enemy will have you so fooled that you'll think you're standing strong. But you really aren't. That's how much you've lost because of sin. Mary's strong. Now, it says there, did you catch that? That it says the king of Syria crushed them and made them like dust at threshing? That's what God told Israel to do to the pagan altars and the Ashtoreth poles and to all the sinful stuff. Because I don't know if you guys ever tried it out here in the desert, but if you go grab dust, you can't make a snowman. Right? God says, you deal with sin. And those things, those Ashtoreth poles, those altars, those groves, all that stuff that allow you Okay, this is going to preach to somebody that allow you to sin, you to destroy them so that you can't rebuild them. Okay, that may mean this, friends. That may mean that you might have to give up a, a, a hobby. That nothing wrong with this hobby, but that hobby. And I, I have a hard time looking at people when I talk like this because I don't I got I don't read your emails. I don't peek in your windows. I don't know what you're doing. But someone afterwards always said, did my wife tell you what? Nobody talked to me. But you may be you may be involved in something that that is a problem for you. Might be a doorway for you. Alright? I've said this before. If if you struggle with alcohol, don't go to karaoke night at the bar. I'm just gonna drink Shirley Temples. Yeah. Tell about the third Leonard Skinner song, and then you're you're hitting, the, you're shooting the whiskey, right? I don't ask me how I know that. I, I, I don't sing. But, you know, some of you might have to give up. Amazon Prime. She gets the email. Dang it! You guys see where I'm saying with all this? Right, we're to grind. We're to grind that like powder, because friends, the enemy will grind you like powder. By the time the enemy's done with you, only God can restore you. Which thank God He can. But you, you see the point here. If the, if the enemy knows how to stop it, why don't you stop him? That leads us into the next thing that that's happening here. So says in verse 8, Now the rest of the acts of Jehoah has, all that he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? They are. Uh, Jehoah has rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. And Joash, his son, reigned in his place. Now this next section here goes kind of quickly here until we get to verse 14. But this is very interesting. Oh, I had a, a scripture that goes with that uh, uh, turning them like dust. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. This is a good scripture. If you're feeling crushed, if you're feeling like you're the dust, like the enemy has gotten it, check this out. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. And the book of, book of Amos tells us that uh, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that cool? God doesn't make it hard for us. He makes it so easy. So uh, let the wicked forsake his way. That's, that's usually the hard part for a lot of people. They don't, they don't want to forsake the way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. We've got to retrain our thinking. We need, we need to 
renew our minds, as the New Testament says. We're to put on the mind of Christ. I mean, look at look the way the world thinks today. Pure evil. It's horrible. Horrible. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. The Lord will have mercy on us. Isn't that so great? That is that's such a great truth. And our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Boy, some of us need to remember that. Friends, you haven't sinned too much that he won't pardon you. You may have some consequences of your sin, but God will pardon you, restore you, renew you. It's awesome. Our God is so cool. We could stop there, but I'm not. Verse 10. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehoahaz, them guys, he became king. He reigned for 16 years. Verse 11. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember, there was never any good godly kings in Israel. Here in this chapter, we have two examples of two kings that, that almost make a step in the right direction. But because of pressure on the outside, wanting to please people and not please God, they fall back. We just read the first one. This is the second one, his son. It says, uh, verse 12, Now the rest of the acts of Joash, all he did and his might, uh, which he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, and are they not written in the Chronicles? They are. Verse 13, so Joash rested with his fathers. Then Je Je Jeroboam sat on his throne and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings. Now, verse 13 records the death of this Joash. But verse 14 through 21 records an event in his life that obviously happened before he died. <laughs> right? So with that, you, you guys with me? Okay. Verse 14. Elisha, whoa, we haven't heard from Elisha for a while, right? The guy with the double portion. Elisha had become sick with the illness from which he would die. We don't know what that illness is, but friends, uh, how many of you know that both the righteous and the wicked get sick? It rains on the just and the unjust. And here, here the miracle prophet, he's sick and this sickness will eventually lead to his death. Then Joash, now this is the same guy who in the last verses they recorded his death. We see that, that he walked in the sins of his forefathers. But we see he's, he's wrestling with God a little bit. So Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Now this is very interesting. Those are the same words that Elisha said to Elijah when the whirlwind took Elijah Elijah up to heaven and Elisha saw him remember that so now the same words he spoke this king is now speaking to him the word father of course is a term of respect and authority and this is the king speaking to him this the chariots of Israel and its horsemen that was a military phrase describing the protection and security of a nation Friends, the strength of Israel was not in their army. It was in their God. Even today, God's protection is not in their army. And they got an awesome army. It's in their awesome God. Right? And God's not done with them. And so here this king is acknowledging that this, that this prophet is the reason 
that everything is going well. Now, some people, like the king here, they recognize the mighty God, the great Jehovah, our Savior Jesus, but yet they don't commit their life to him, such as this guy. So, it says in verse 15, And Elisha said to him, Get out of here, you rascal. You don't deserve my kind. No. That's what Clay would have said. But Elisha, he's still ministering and still serving God even in his sickness. Friends, sometimes our greatest times of ministry and use by God is during our greatest times of pain. Another lesson we learn here is, is we never stop being the example of God ever. Right? And even in our pain and our discomfort, we can be used by God to minister God's truth. Elisha says to him, take a bow and some arrows. These were symbols of strength and victory. Um, so he took himself a bow and some arrows, verse 16, and he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. So here the king is drawn back, and Elisha puts his hand on his hand, a symbol of transferring strength. Uh, it's very, friends, it's very and powerful it's very honoring when you have hands laid on you the bible says don't be quick to lay hands on people and friends don't be quick to ask some just somebody to pray for you and lay hands on you because the devil will do the same thing now, i don't want to get spooky and weird but pay attention right but don't take it for granted either he puts his hand on the king's hand and he says to him, verse 17, open the east windows. Now, it just so happens to the east is where the Syrian army was. So he opens it, and the prophet says to him, shoot. And he shot the arrow. And he said, tomorrow the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphex until you have destroyed them. So here in this symbolic act, he is giving this sign of victory to the king. Isn't that awesome? He says, you're going to have this victory. Verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and he stopped. Now, get this picture. He shoots the arrow out the window. And the prophet says, this is a symbol of your victory over, this, over the Syrian army. Now he says, take the rest of your arrows. He takes the arrows and he says, strike the ground. Now, Bible teachers are at a conflict. Did he just take them and hit the ground like this? Or did he shoot them down? We don't know. However he did, he, he, three times he does it, right? Well, this gets the prophet mad. Look at it, verse 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you have destroyed it. But now you will only strike them three times. Why did he stop at three? Well, the prophet didn't tell him how many times. Was he afraid maybe he'd run out of arrows and then wouldn't have any arrows in case the Syrians came at him? You see, friends, are you guys like me? Sometimes you, you really want to trust God and you're, as long as someone's there to hold your hand, like the prophet was holding his hand when he shot the arrow. But when it's 
time to fight on your own. You want to make sure you got a couple of your own arrows. You got plan B. Right? We all want to walk in faith, but we want a map first. Right? Prophet rebukes him. So, man, you want victory. You should have used your arrows, man. But he didn't do it. So he says, according to your faith, that's what Jesus said, you'll have it. You'll get three victories out of this. But it was going to take five or six to get complete victory. You're only going to get three. And mechanical obedience will only carry us so far. But we will always break down short of a complete fulfillment of the purpose. Right? As long as you have someone, a spiritual leader, to hold your hand, you'll do what needs to be done. Friends, there comes a time in all of our lives that we have to grow up spiritually and stand on our own feet of faith. So, let's keep going. Verse 20. Then Elisha died. And they buried him. Now, unlike the Egyptians, they didn't embalm their dead there. They just wrap them up and entomb them. Then raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. And so it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of these raiders. And so they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and he touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and he stood upon his feet. Now, you're a pretty good man of God when you're raising the dead when you're dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> Elijah didn't die, but he never did any miracles after he went to heaven. Elisha died and did another miracle. That's pretty good. Now, I'm kind of highlighting this because we see some amazing things with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in the New Testament, that Peter's shadow would touch people and they would be healed. We saw that Paul's handkerchief that he carried and worked uh, could be laid upon a person and, and they would be healed. We would see the Holy Spirit's anointing doing great, great things. And here, uh, we see this happening. I'm bringing it up because there is this new fad that's been going on for a couple of years that a church in California started. And it's the stupidest thing called grave sucking have you guys heard of this these nuts i mean these dear saints based on this scripture are going to cemeteries where high known popular preachers are buried and they're laying on their graves to get their anointing okay this this pagan practice of witchcraft isn't biblically based and it's very dangerous because whenever you open up yourself to expose yourself to receive any kind of spiritual influence, you're asking for trouble. Because Satan will open that door and he'll walk through it. You open the door, he'll walk through it. Whether that's greed, lust, uh, gamble, whatever it is, Satan will walk through an open door. Now, I'm not saying all these people get demon-possessed, but I think they're, they're treading on very dangerous ground, right? And so... Uh, the only spirit we're to open ourselves up to is the Holy Spirit. And we are told to get the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We're to ask God for the Holy Spirit, not a dead dude. In fact, the law tells us 
two places in Leviticus and Deuteronomy that we are not to be messing around with dead spirits, right? I know some people like doing that. We're not to be doing that, guys. So why did this happen? I don't know. But God did it. What a testimony to this king when this guy comes back to town. It would just remind the king, you know what? That Elisha was powerful. <laughs> anyway, let's finish up the chapter. We're about out of time. Isn't, isn't this a great chapter? Man, there's some stuff in here. Well, we're not done. Verse 22. And Hazel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. Man, don't you know? He was thinking, if I just would have kept hitting those arrows. But instead, he's got a whole lifetime of fighting these guys. Friends, if we just do what it takes to stop sinning and to cut that off in our life, we won't have to battle it our whole life. Make sense? But even through all of that, verse 23, the Lord was gracious to them. He had compassion on them, and he regarded them. Always remember this, friends. God is gracious, he's compassionate, and he regards us. It means he cares for us, he loves us, he cherishes us. Why? Because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We find that covenant in Genesis 12. And it goes on from there. And God will not turn his back on that covenant. We see people all through history coming against God's people Israel. We saw just, was it last night or yesterday, another attack in a synagogue in New York, right? Uh, and it's all because they're the people of God. They have that covenant. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, God will remember that, so he would not let them destroy him. He would not let them be destroyed nor cast them from his presence. Verse 24, now Hazel, king of Syria, died, and Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his place. And Jehoshua, the son of Je uh, Jehoziah, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazel, the cities which had been taken by his hand, by the hand of Jehoshaphat, his father by war. Three times Joash defeated them, him and recaptured the cities of Israel. I say, don't you know he was thinking, I should have kept using all those arrows and shooting the ground. But he was able to, to get back three of the cities. Now, I'm going to stop there until next week. Wasn't that a good chapter? Cool. Do you guys learn anything? Cool. Let's stand. Where's the team join me up here? Sin is very serious, but our Savior is awesome. Amen? And friends, I just want to encourage you today that if, if you were able to relate to any of the characters in this chapter that we looked at today, I just want you to know that our great mighty God wants to do something great and mighty in your life. First guy we met, I called, said he had crisis faith. Only called upon God when the pressure was on. Only sought God and only served God until the pressure was off. You might recognize yourself as being that. You know, I only find myself in church when things aren't good at home. I only find myself praying when the bank account's empty. And then God does a miracle and then 
we're back in the same old routine. If that's you today, you need to stop. You need to give yourself 100% to God 100% of the time. Maybe you have like the second guy, for lack of a better word, I called it ignorant faith. He just, he did what, what he thought he needed to do to keep the, the prophet happy. But we found out he got a little relief. He got a few victories, but it wasn't enough. Maybe you find yourself just doing the bare minimum you need to do. But you're still fighting little battles. You're not quite getting a complete victory. Oh, you regained some of the ground that the enemy's taken, but you haven't possessed the whole thing again. Maybe you find yourself like the guy who was lured into the grave. And God has touched your life today. And you've recognized, you know what? I'm just caught in a pit. It feels like I'm surrounded by just the dead. God wants to give you new life today. Maybe you're like Elisha and you're hurting. God has given you a door to use that pain for someone else's purpose. Can I encourage you today? Whatever it is, God wants to deal with you directly, personally, and do something mighty in your life. Amen? Pray with me. Father, today we thank you for the great honor and privilege of studying your word. It is so fantastic. Lord, as always, I pray that our study doesn't end when I say amen, but you would help each and every one of us as we review this chapter, as we reread it again. Holy Spirit, would you make a personal application of every point to our life? Father, I pray that you'd open up our eyes to your truths and to our shortcomings. Father, would you give us the grace the strength and the courage to say no if we need to say no to somebody, something, or ourself. Father, would you help us to trust you in all things, even when we don't see any way out. Father, may we not rely upon our own arrows, but upon you. Father, I just want to thank you for every person who's studying the word with us today i ask for blessing upon every individual upon every family that's represented here today thank you for our church we ask that you would continue your wonderful provision so we can continue your work which in jesus name we pray amen